where to start, but I do got a lot to say. Philippians chapter 2. And let's read, let's begin reading at verse 5. Philippians 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Notice there's a semicolon there, meaning that there's going to be an explanation of what Paul is talking about. He's going to tell us about what mind Jesus Christ had and the mind that we ought to have. He begins to describe it as who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Another semicolon meaning he's not done yet but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He's telling us the mind of which the people of God ought to have. The first step was verse 6. He was in the form of God, but yet he was in the form of the likeness of man. Not only was he made in the likeness of a man, but verse 7 says he went even lower and he made himself of no reputation. Then he went even lower. When he found himself fashioned as a man, he humbled himself to the point of humility that he became obedient to death. Even, not just any death, but the death of the cross. Amen. I want, I want to teach this morning on this subject, a serving master. A serving master. Can we put our Bibles down and let's just ask the Lord to help us today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. God, I thank you for the opportunity to stand before your people. I thank you, God, for your people. They're precious people. They're lovely people. They are people that have been baptized in your name. Filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Lord, you paid the price for this people. God, the price of blood, which far exceeds any amount of money that could ever be bestowed. But Lord, you loved us so much that you bought us with a price that we could come out of this world. Lord, to be separate. Lord, that you could work a work in the earth as your body has become the church that we could be the church that you have ordained and that you have called, that you have purposed in your master plan. And God will never fail to give you all the praise and all the glory and everybody say in Jesus' name. Jesus name. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Amen. The book of Philippians was written somewhere towards the end of the book of Acts when Paul was in prison. You can read... In Acts 16, Paul's journey to the city of Philippi. You will remember that uh, when Paul went into Philippi, he started the church by coming upon a prayer meeting. His first convert being Lydia. Paul usually would teach in synagogues. He usually would go to the Jewish house houses of worship to start his churches to compel these one God believers that Jesus Christ was the one true living in God living God that they were looking for but not so in Philippi God led him divinely into Philippi meeting people that was hungry for the word of God and from there 
Philippi began to have a church. It was in Philippi when you'll remember there was a woman that was following Paul and said, these men, Paul and Silas, are uh, are great men of God and they come to show us the way of salvation. She wasn't saying it in admiration or in respect or honor, but rather she was possessed with the devil. The Bible said that after Paul was long grieved. Paul gave her plenty of time. He turned around, did not speak to the woman, but spoke to the Spirit, told the Spirit to turn her loose and let her go. She was delivered. She was converted. And this got Paul and Silas into much more trouble. They find themselves in jail. They find themselves singing at a midnight hour. It was in Philippi where Paul and Silas begin to pray and make praises known unto God until the jailhouse rocked. And the Bible said all of the prisoners' bands were loosed. It was there in Philippi when the soldier was going to take his own life. And Paul said, do not harm yourself, for we're all still here. Another opportunity that Paul had to add another soul, another family to the church of the living God that God was establishing in Philippi. So when we read the book of Philippians, we're reading uh, to the saints that we read about in Acts 16. that are written to them, but we are reading one of Paul's last letters when he was in prison not knowing what was going to become of him, not knowing what he was going to face. But he begins to pick up a pen and write to the church at Philippi. And basically, if you could sum up these four chapters in the book of Philippians, Paul is telling them basically what James had said, to count it all joy. When you find yourself suffering, when you find yourself in trouble, when you find yourself struggling, count it joy. you got to learn to find joy in the lowest valleys that you walk through. you got to learn to find joy in the hardest of trials that you face. you got to learn to find joy when you're in the prison locked up for doing the will of God. you got to learn to find joy when you're there in the midnight hour, the darkest hour of your life, but yet you still find it within you to cry out unto God and to give praise to His great name. He's trying to teach to the church at Philippi, don't let your circumstances determine your joy. Don't let the things that are around you determine how you're going to react and how you're going to walk and how you're going to live for God and how you're going to interact with people around you. And he begins to talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he wants to give us an example. It was here in second or in Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11 that that Paul really breaks down one of the the most beautiful probably one God messages that he ever broke down in his epistles. He begins to talk about this true and living God, this omnipotent God, this all-powerful God coming and being in the form of God, but thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So, so a Trinitarian might ask you then, how come if Jesus was God, how come you... you have the scripture in verse 6 of chapter 2 of the book of Philippians that he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. This is, the the Bible will answer itself on these uh, questions. Verse 7 says, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form 
of a servant. In other words, Jesus was God manifest in the flesh and he thought it not robbery to think of himself equal to God though he was made in the form of a servant. I'm going to drive this home a little bit. Though he was in the form of a servant, he was not robbing anything from the fact that he was the master. Am I making sense this morning? He was the master, yet in the form of the servant. But though he was in the form of a servant, he was not stealing anything from the fact that he still was the master. He came and made himself of no reputation. In other words, God omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful, made himself empty. Making himself of no reputation literally means he emptied himself. He came with no reputation, with nothing of this earthly world to offer. Nothing of this earthly pleasure to offer. But yet, he was not robbing from the fact or negating the fact or taking anything away that he was still God. Watch this. Not only was he in the form of a servant, but he was made in the likeness of men. I touched on this Wednesday night. In Genesis 1, God made man in his likeness. But by the time you get to the New Testament, God makes himself in man's likeness. He had to become what he wasn't while remaining what he was. Jesus Christ never ceased being God when he became a man. But just because he was a man did not change the fact that he was still fully God. Amen, somebody. Before Jesus took on the likeness of a man, we only knew God by His Word. You only knew God by His Spirit. But when Jesus Christ came in the flesh, what you could not see, you could now see. What you could not know, you can now know. What you could not understand, you can now understand this was God let, let me just go ahead and make it clear for just in case there's any questions for anybody out there in the internet world somewhere when Jesus Christ came he showed us the express image of the invisible God you will never outside of the face of Jesus Christ I'm going to say that again you will never see God outside of the face of Jesus Christ. We do not believe in a three-person Godhead. Amen. The Bible never refers to God in the plural pronouns, they, them. <laughs> Anytime you read of God, He is singular. He is by Himself. There is none beside him. There's none before him. There's none after him. Somebody said, well, where did God come from? I've said it before. Let me just say it again because I love saying it. If God came from anything, then he ain't God. God comes from himself. Because he, in fact, is God. If he is not creator, then he is the created. And whatever created him is God. That, that, does that make sense? It kind of goes in a circle. It kind of goes in a circle. If God was created, then whoever created God is actually God and not God. <laughs> that, 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 uh, you smell what I'm stepping in. God was before, watch this, the scripture said, God was before all things. He was before all things. That's how he's God. And all things were made by Him. That's how He's God. And there was not anything made that was made except it was made by Him. He is God. 
and he is God all by himself. The same God that done all the work in Genesis chapter 1, the same God that done all the work in Genesis chapter 2, was the same God that took on a robe of flesh and made in the likeness of a man. He made in the likeness of a man. The Bible is so strict about this that in 1 John, you can read in 1 John, and the whole deal in 1 John is convincing people that Jesus Christ, literally, God Almighty, came in the flesh. And John said, if you want to know the spirit of Antichrist, just look for somebody that says Jesus Christ didn't come in the flesh. The same is the spirit of Antichrist. Folks, I believe the spirit of the, of the Antichrist is so prevalent today. That's why the message of the Godhead and who Jesus is is all the more important. If it is the spirit of the Antichrist, then I believe we need to preach more of the Christ. Because what message is the Antichrist going to hate more than the message of Jesus Christ? Amen. So this was God, all-powerful, all-knowing, fills all space, fills all time, dwells in eternity. Heaven it is, is His throne. The earth is His footstool. You can't get over Him. You can't get around Him. You can't get under Him. You can't get no place where God ain't. He's everywhere at all times. This same God condensed Himself, poured Himself into a human body. And he was, my Lord, he made himself into the life man. So he's not robbing himself of any power. He's not robbing himself of any glory. He's not robbing himself of all his majesty. He thought it not robbery to become a man. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God. That, that Word was with God in the beginning. So much so that the Word was God. Not a separate person. But God had the plan already together before the thing ever started. He, he, he already had a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world was ever laid. When you see Jesus Christ, you are looking at God Himself. What about the, the, the baptism of John? There you got the baptism of John, and he's baptized in the river of Jordan, and he comes out straightway. The Bible said that a light shones down from heaven. The Spirit descends like a dove, and a voice comes from heaven. Trinitarians like to say right there's the Trinity. You got the voice from heaven, you got the dove, and you got the man. Amen. But that's not the Trinity. But rather, what was in the man Christ Jesus was speaking out of heaven and was descending upon him like a dove. Nothing about changed at the river of Jordan other than God made it known, not just to the people, but to the man Christ Jesus Himself, that this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was fully God before the baptism of John. He was born unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. The child's name would be the Mighty God. Amen. The child would be the Everlasting Father. And the child would be the Prince of Peace. So when, when Jesus come out of the waters of baptism, he came up out of the waters of baptism as a witness to to himself that he was more than just a man. Amen. He was more than a man. But yet he was still a man. 
He came in the form and the likeness of a man. He came in the form of a servant. Now, I believe Paul is very, uh, very mindful and very intentional because that what he's talking about in the book of Philippians as a whole is trying to talk to the Philippians of how to be good servants. He wants them to be good servants. They're good people. They're faithful people. If you'll read, the church of Philippi was all the time sending Paul offerings. They, they, they loved taking care of Paul. They, they, they were all the time making sure Paul's needs were met. It was because of the church at Philippi that he was able to do things at Corinth and not, not be able to... Uh, to, to go there and say, I didn't take any offering or tithe from you. It, and, but it was because there was another church in Philippi that was going to take care of the man of God. Watch this. And he, he, they're, they're good people. They're good givers. They're Holy Ghost filled. They're baptized in Jesus' name. But he said, I want this mind to be in you that was also in the mind of Christ Jesus. In other words, I want you to be mindful of the very thing Jesus was mindful of. And if there ever was a time, by the way, church, in the year 2023, I want to be mindful of what my Savior is mindful of. Oh, God. I want to be mindful of what He was mindful of. Jesus minded to make Himself of no reputation. Jesus minded Himself to be in the form of a servant. He, he was the one who wrote in the tablets of stone. He was the one that thundered on Mount Sinai. He was the one that walked through the fiery furnace with the three Hebrew boys. It was because of Him that the Red Sea was ever parted. It was because of Him that the lion's jaws could not get around Daniel's head. It was because that a sling and a stone would knock down Goliath. I feel like talking today. It was because of him that Samson could get a hold of, of some Philistine prison jail cells and he could cause the pillars to collapse on their cells. It was because of this man that we're reading about today who could do anything and everything. He rained fire and brimstone down on Sinai. Amen. He thousands of people in the wilderness for 40 years, made sure their coat didn't wear out, made sure their shoes didn't wear out, made sure they never went a day thirsty, made sure they never went a day hungry, made sure that they had everything that they could ever need. But when Jesus said, I'm going to run myself in flesh, I'm not going to run some power in some but rather I'm going to reveal myself as a servant. I hope we can get our minds around this today. He wanted to show himself as a servant. Not as but a servant. Not as a Lord but a servant. Not as is high and mighty. But somebody that was lowly. No reputation. The form of a servant. In the likeness of a man. But watch this. Jesus, who was God Almighty, took it a step further. In verse 8, He said, And being found... In the fashion of a man. Watch this. Even though he had humbled himself to the point that he was now a man. He still humbled himself. And became obedient. If I were, if this was not a 
a, a, a little Sunday school lesson today, and I was going to preach this. I would preach the two ingredients for a cross. The two ingredients for the cross is found in the Scripture. It's a humbling, and it's an obedience. He humbled Himself to the point of obeying. Folks, to truly obey, and I know the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. And I believe right here gives us a hint why obedience is better than sacrifice. Because you can sacrifice without being humble, but you cannot obey without being humble. God help us to mind the same thing Jesus minded. To be humble. Not just before God, but before each other. To be humble, not just before each other, but before a lost and dying world. Can I, can, can I just be honest? Maybe for somebody, I, I know there ain't nobody in here that struggles with it except the one teaching the Sunday school lesson this morning. But may, maybe somebody out in the internet land needs to hear it. What the world needs a whole lot more of is not people that know how to... That know how to make people feel less than. The world doesn't need more people with pride, arrogance, cockiness. The world doesn't need more people in it to make everybody around them feel like they're less than them. If Jesus could be mindful... That's why Paul would say things like this. He said, I know what it is to be abased and I know what it is to abound. I know what it is to be full and I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is to be thirsty and I know what it is to not be thirsty. He said, to all men I became all things. To the Jew I became a Jew. To the Gentile I became a Gentile. What he was saying was he didn't just go along with everybody. If they were Trinity, he was Trinity. If they were oneness, he was oneness. If they baptized in Jesus' name, he baptized. He ain't talking about that. He said, I made myself of no reputation. And though I knew how to be a base, and though I knew how to be a bound, I didn't write that I was still an apostle of Jesus Christ. Oh God. Watch. Jesus found himself fashioned as a man. He humbled himself. Folks. I've learned in my walk with God that if I do not learn to humble me, then God will humble me Himself. In other words, if I do not know how to humble me, God will do my job for me. God knows what to send down your dusty road to put a right spirit in you. You ever prayed, God, let my spirit be right with you? You might just be praying for some trials and troubles. You might be praying for some heartaches and pain. Because you don't just get a right spirit like that. Sometimes you need some hurt. Sometimes you need some backstabbing. Sometimes you need some betraying. Because there ain't nothing more humbling than being accused being persecuted, being lied on, being misunderstood. And here's the fact, Brother Eddie. If you go to defend yourself, they ain't going to believe you because they already got a, they've already got an understanding about you that they don't even know they misunderstood. That's why the, the, the Bible teaches when you get in these situations, you take the fault. And you go on. You, you just keep... Don't get up and try to defend yourself. You're only going to make it worse. You're only going to make a civil war out of it. You got to humble yourself. Humble yourself. And you humble yourself to the point, watch it, of obedience. Obedience. 
And obedience, not just for what you're in obeying and okay, I'll do it and get it over with, but no obeying to the point of death. In other words, obedience to the last very thing you do. Can I ask us a question? This is Sunday school now. How humble do you have to be? And how do you have to be to take it as far as to your last breath. That's what Jesus done. But watch this. Not only did Jesus humble himself. Not only did Jesus become obedient. Not only did he become obedient unto death. Watch this. Paul is writing to the Philippians. And he makes it clear that they understand. That he wasn't just obedient unto death. But he was even the death. Of the cross. Now the, the church at Philippi had a lot to do with the Romans. If you'll read, read through your Gospels, it was the Romans, the Roman Empire that crucified Jesus Christ. Now the being crucified in Bible times was the absolute worst punishment and worst death you could be sentenced to. Here was why. Because they didn't just want to kill you. They wanted to send a message to anybody that would look at the one hanging on the cross. And say if you do, my Lord, if you do what this man done, then the same thing will be done to you. So the cross was a message. Do not footsteps of the one you see crucified. God. But before Jesus ever died, he looked at his disciples and he said, Take up your cross and follow me. You got to understand, in the world that they lived in, Sister Faye, if you saw a cross, don't go, don't be associated with that one. Don't, don't, don't even be considered in the same group as that one. That's why Peter can be at the fire and say, I don't know him. Because anybody associated being crucified is going But he said, take up your cross and follow me. You not to follow in my footsteps, you gotta be willing to humble yourself. My Lord, I feel like talking this morning. You gotta be willing to become obedient, you gotta be willing to come to the place of obedience to where it is the last thing you do, even unto death. And even when you obey yourself to death, it's gotta be the worst death possible. That is what Jesus done. So if you'll notice when Paul's writing about Jesus, it, 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 it's like he's walking down a stair step. He's walking, he's walking downstairs. Because he said, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Step down. But made himself of no reputation. Step down. And took upon the form of a servant. Step down. And was made in the likeness of man. Step down. And being found in the fashion of a man. Step down. He humbled himself. Step down. And became obedient unto death. Step down. Even the death of the cross. It seems like he, the more he talks about Jesus, the lower Jesus becomes. That's why when Jesus was born, He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a manger. And when Jesus... Did you know, uh, uh, matter of fact, when Jesus was born, He got to pick who birthed Him. He didn't pick Pilate's wife. He didn't pick Caesar's wife. In other words, He didn't pick to be born or a king. But he picked to be born by a, a teenage girl, Mary, that is a spouse to be born, uh, spouse to be married to Joseph. Who's Mary? Exactly. Nobody. 
She lives in the hill countries of Judea. She's lowly. She's tender. There's no fame. And she's a spouse to a carpenter. Not a king. Not somebody with bukuns of money. Not somebody that's... But a carpenter. Jesus said, I'm going to come into the world and not only am I going to make myself in the form of a man, in the form of a servant, make myself humble, even unto the death of the cross, I'm going to be born to people that already have humble beginnings. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If we are going to be the body of Christ in this world, if we are going to be the body of Christ to this world, then we have to do what Jesus done. And I believe we got to be people that make ourselves of no reputation. We got to make our, of ourselves people that if you were to look at us on the in, outside, you're not going to see anything different. You're not going to see anything special as far as what we have to offer the world. Yeah, you're, you're going to see standards of holiness and righteousness and separation. But I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, when, when, when you look at Austin and you look at my co-worker, just, just, right, just the normal Joe, you ain't going to see much of a difference between us. You might see two fat ones. Or one fat and one skinny one. But you're not, you're, you're not going to see a difference. But when you look at a saint of God and just another co-worker, they're right home about from the surface. One's got the Holy Ghost. Which, in other words, one has a supernatural gift that was given to him. That... Gives him power over all the powers of the adversary. You know, you, you, you can come to this church and somebody might come into this church and say, well, these just look like normal folk. They just look like, the, the, they just look like people. But what they don't realize is it's not the fact that we're just people. They got to walk in here and they got to feel that there's something more. Jesus came in the form of a servant. Jesus came in the form of a man. But though He came as such, watch this, verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him. So He was made low, but the Bible said He was still yet exalted. Even though he was a carpenter's son, so they thought, he still a name which is above. And though he was made in the likeness of a man in the form of a servant, the Bible said that at the name of Jesus, stood bow of things in heaven and things in earth things under the earth. That means every angel in heaven is going to say Jesus Christ is Lord. Everything that is in the earth bow and say Jesus Christ is Lord. And everything that is under the earth, every demon in hell, every devil that had ever tried to work against God's kingdom, God's people and God's word and God's ways and God's church even they are going to bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words Jesus came, found himself in fashion as a man. I know I'm saying that a lot, but I'm trying to make sure we understand. And though he humbled himself, and though he made himself obedient unto death, even though he was of no reputation, even though he, he, he to look at him, you would think he, he, he's diminishing. He's taken away from who God is and what God is. The Bible said no, because not even Jesus Christ, who was God manifested in the flesh, could elevate 
and exalt himself. That's why the Bible said in verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. The man Christ Jesus could not exalt himself. It took the Spirit of God to elevate him. In other words, that, 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 this is what the Scripture meant when he said, And the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. The way to make yourself closer to God is to make yourself lower. I'm not talking about a fleshly, earthly means. I'm talking about, he, he said, I've chosen the poor of this world to be His. The poor in spirit. The poor in mind. Not thinking, not thinking of yourself any better than anybody else. Not thinking of yourself better than your brother and sister in the pew. That's why before he ever started writing any of this, Brother Bobby, let, let's go back. Let's go back and read verse 2. This is the request of Paul to the church. He said, I want you to feel, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Watch this. Let nothing be done through strife. Anything you do for God cannot be done with strife. Strife is that place where you're doing things to make points. You're doing things to send a message. You're doing things to try to... Uh, to, 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 to get a point across. Watch this. He said, Also, let nothing be done through vainglory. In other words, do not do anything that is going to... Don't, don't do anything that's going to make you look good. That's tough. When God said, Don't you be doing stuff just because you know it's going to look good on you. That's vain. Glory. But watch this. But in lowliness of mind. In lowliness of mind. Now this is tough. This is that piece of steak that you keep chewing. It's steak. But it's that piece of steak in there. The more you chew it, the bigger it gets. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than their self. In other words, there is a place in God that you can reach to where I can literally look at you Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. That I can look at Brother Eddie and genuinely, with sincerity, look at him and say, Brother Eddie is a better man than I am. Lowliness. I mean... Folks, that doesn't come natural. It ain't natural for me to look at Brother Eddie and say, Brother Eddie, you're a better man than I am. And truly mean it. It ain't natural for me to look at Brother Jimmy and say, you're a better man than I am. It's not natural for me to look at Brother Keenan and say, you're a better man than I am. But the Bible said, if you take on the mind of Christ, you will esteem others better than yourself. I don't know about anybody else, but Austin Burke still got a way to go. 
Austin Burke still got a way to go. When a sister can really look at a sister and, and genuinely esteem somebody else better than them. And for just in case that wasn't enough, verse 4. Paul said, just in case he was wondering how you do that, he said, look not every man on his own things. But watch this. He's not even, he said, don't even look at what you're going to get out of it. But every man also on the things of others. In other words, I'm going to be mindful. When I'm mindful like Jesus, I'm going to be mindful of how it's going to be better for my brother than it is for myself. Jesus came to this world not to make His life better. Jesus came to make our life better. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Folks, if that isn't taken on the form of a servant, if that isn't taken on the form of a man, lowliness of mind, lowliness of spirit, Nothing done in strife or vainglory. But anything that is done is done to better your brother and your sister. That's kind of unheard of in the world, ain't it? When you go to work, anybody, I, 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 uh, not so much now, but I used to work on a crew where it was a dog-eat-dog crew. Everybody was only out for themselves. And constantly, everything you done, you had to make sure that you had a reason to know why you done it for just in case you were approached. And say, well, why'd you do this, that, and the other? We got a phone call. Somebody said you was doing this, that, the other day. They saw a PSA vehicle out. Yonder, we won't know what in the world you're doing out yonder. You better be ready for an answer. The church isn't like that. But rather, the church ought to... The church ought to look after others and their things. Because that's what Jesus done. He came to His own. And His own. You know why? Because when they saw Jesus coming, there was nothing about Jesus that they saw could benefit them and make them look any better, make them look any more holy, make them look any more spiritual. And the very people, the Pharisees that rejected Him was the very opposite of what Paul said Jesus came. Mind you, the Bible said Paul was a chief of the Pharisees. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And again in verse 5, Brother Bobby, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. God, I want to mind the same things you mind. God, I want to think the things that you would think. God, I want to feel the things you would feel. Less of me and more of you. John said, I must decrease so he may increase. Never quote that scripture, Bible way, church, that he must increase and I must decrease because he will not increase first. You will have to decrease first. 
I must decrease so he can increase. My God. I must decrease so he may increase. Oh God, I want that mind to be in me. John was said of Jesus Christ that there was no greater prophet than John the Baptist. And the greatest prophet said, I must decrease. But then Jesus turned around and said, John, though he's the greatest prophet to ever live, you read it, Jesus said, he's the least of the kingdom. That no flesh would glory in His presence. I want to leave this place today saying, God, let my life be lived in such a way where You get the glory. Let my life be lived in such a way that where people can't hardly even see me, I am so hid behind the cross. My life is so hid in Christ and God that when people see me, <laughs> and you wonder why Jesus said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. It was more than just Him being the Father in flesh. But rather, when you saw Jesus, you didn't see what a man was doing. You saw what God was doing. When you looked at Jesus, you didn't look at somebody that was out trying to make a, make a life for themselves, make a life for their family, make a life for their kid. No, you saw somebody that had no other purpose of living, no other purpose of being, no other purpose of existing other than for the purpose of God Almighty Himself. God help us to live our life in such a way to where folks have a hard time seeing us, but they rather see what's in us. I want, I want folks, I want people to see what's in me before they see me. I, I, I wonder if we, if, if we would pray that every day. From the bottom of our heart. Say God don't let them see me. Let them see you. Before they see me. Let them see what you have gave me. Before they can see me. Lord let me empty myself. Of self. And Lord let me fill myself. With everything that you have to give. To a lost and dying world. Can we lift our hands and worship the Lord for a few moments of time?